Chicago hard, Chicago hard, Chicago hard. Up and into them, right from the start of the game. Gotta get those, come on. They gotta feel them. They gotta feel us. They gotta get into them. Let's go. The name of the game is hit the ball, catch the ball, and get the fucking job done. Because you know why? Because when, when we play good, they send they send those guys to this table and talk to them like a hero. When we f it up, I'm the one I gotta sitting here talking to you guys. Get your mouth shot, jerk. See that? That's your IQ, buddy. Zero. Defensively. Defensively. Just by taking the ball away. We didn't take the ball away uh, enough tonight. Okay, we make a couple more shots. Our, our, our record's different. We get a couple Welcome more to the Chicago State of Mind. We are a Chicago sports podcast from the perspectives of three Southside guys with an unapologetic Chicago bias. If this city could talk, it would say Chicago versus everybody. I'm DC. I'm A-Dub. I'm Press. Fellas, what's good? Man, DC, I can't call it, bro, man. I want to try to get this episode in, man. It's storming like a mug over here, bro. Yikes. Don't bring that to my area, man. I don't need no storms, man, knocking out what I got going over here. Yeah, it probably came from your area, man. <laughs> <laughs> man, but uh, y'all been good, though? Yes, sir. Been all good over here, man. Just working hard, my brother. No, I hear you, man. I hear you, man. Let's uh, let's balance that out a little bit, man. Let's get some, let's get some fun in the mix too, man. Shit, man. Life is too short. I always tell people this: we grind and we work all week, and then we like, man, I can't wait to get to Friday. But all we doing is is pushing away life. It's like, man, let's let's enjoy this shit while we getting through the work week. Yes, sir. Let's live a little bit. DC, what's a good word with you, man? Speaking of weather, man, cloud nine, man. I'm still riding high from an event that I was at Friday. United Center, man, big wrestling event. So if anybody out there knows that I, I reference wrestling talk sometimes, man, like big day, CM Punk, you may have heard of him. Big energy in the building at the UC on Friday. Yeah, I saw some of that on, on Twitter. That was really awesome. Obviously, he's from the shy, and he, he was back, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Was it a sellout? I haven't heard it that loud in there since... The D Rose days. I'll just say, I'll just say, you remember wow. how to be rocking, man? Like 15,000 people in unison. I mean, honestly, we haven't really, really given them much to cheer for, you know, from the Bulls and the Blackhawks lately, but that energy in there was electric. I love to hear that. I bet you got a lot of stories, man. We'll, we'll talk offline about some of those. Let's get into the episode. So, audience, as always, this podcast is brought to you by Crave It. Remember to join our exclusive community, Chicago Versus. That app is available on Apple and Android applications. So, fellas, yesterday, the great Kobe Bean Bryant's birthday was yesterday. He would have turned 43. To me, it just seems like so surreal that he's no longer with us. I was very happy to see the NBA family after his death is still showing love, showing support. And it's consistently. I mean, not just because it was his birthday. People make posts, show love all the time. But yesterday, it, it was extra special. And then, you know, today, too, thinking about it, August 24th, 824, the two numbers that he wore. So, so it's a pretty special time, and, and he's one of the all-time greats. Man, speaking of that 824, man, those are two Hall of Fame numbers. I mean, the guy had a phenomenal career. I'm with you, DC. I like what the NBA is doing for him. Um, but he brings back some very good memories just watching him, man, thinking about him and what he stood for as an NBA player. I mean, you talk about the definition of dedication. That is the guy, focus. That is him. I mean, putting the hard work in there, man. That's him. 
This guy would do anything to be a winner. He would do anything to be great. And while everybody else was chilling, having fun, this guy was in the gym working on his craft. Phenomenal point, A-Dub, because that is exactly it. And that's why everybody talk about that Mamba mentality. And that's something that I always tell people, especially, you know, when I'm mentoring and a lot of the kids, you know, they'll be wearing the Kobe jerseys, they'll be wearing the shoes and they'll say about, oh man, Kobe had that Mamba mentality. But I always tell them that mentality extends far beyond the court. You could apply that shit in whatever you do in life. And to that point that you made A-Double just about when everybody else was out there celebrating their accomplishments, Kobe had championships, he had uh, riches beyond riches, and he was the hardest worker on his team. And I, I think that says a lot about him more than the things that he accomplished on the court. Think about where he played. He played in the Western Conference. The Western Conference for the last two to three decades has been a nightmare to get out of. So he knew what he was up against, which is why he was in the gym, you know, working hard on his craft. Kobe Bryant was on another level. He was the only one to ever dare step up to that mystic throne that that Michael Jordan had, you know, that just that air, just to even get close to that, to emulate his game. Kobe took on that challenge. Man, you've hit a good point there, DC. I think about him on two different occasions, the talented Kobe versus Mamba mentality Kobe, right? I remember the time when he actually made that move against the Portland Trailblazers and threw that nice pass to Shaq to Ooh. seal the deal to get them to go to that finals, right? That was an awesome play. And then I go back to, you know, this guy put in extra work and took all that criticism about he can't win any other championships to seeing what he'd done, man, when he had to go against the Boston Celtics. I mean, this guy's career is legendary. This kid wanted to be great. He wanted to reach Michael Jordan Heights, and he put the work in, put the time in, and then he executed. So I have nothing but great things to say about Mamba and that Mamba mentality. No, that's a, that's a really good point. And to me, the basketball stuff is one aspect of him. I was really disappointed that his second act of what he was doing in retirement, we didn't get to see that all the way through. He won an Oscar for Dear Basketball. He had a very huge involvement in women's sports. And that was something that, you know, we talk about on this podcast about how we need to do a better job of amplifying these women out here that are putting on a show and a lot of people need to get behind them and support them. And Kobe was one of the people that was one of their biggest cheerleaders. So when I think of him all around holistically, man, it's just such a great loss, man. And for him to be gone at 41. And that's why when I started this episode with that idea to you, a double just man, let's, you know, try to sprinkle in some fun, man, when we grind and stuff like that, because we don't never, we never know what tomorrow's going to come or not. When I think back on Kobe, I'm just like, man, I still can't believe this guy's no longer with us, man. It's tough. Yeah, it is tough, Perez. It really is, just knowing he's not with us. But, man, he left us. He left his mark, a very deep one. And I'm telling you right now, we all know what he's done, what he stands for, and we're going to take that with us, man. We're going to keep his legacy going. All of us, Laker Nation, his family, us fans of the sport, we're going to keep it going. Absolutely. And when you think about, as you said, Perez, just – in totality, just who he is, what he represented, the effect that he had on the entire game of basketball, not just the NBA, like you said, WNBA, youth sports, detail, what he was starting to do with ESPN, like he, his, his reach touched very, very far. And no matter who you are, you know exactly what you were doing and where you were the day you heard the news that Kobe Bryant passed away. So that just shows who he was as a human. Yes, Absolutely. sir. Well said. Audience, we're going to pick up the vibes a little bit, but we have one other, you know, just tough situation to talk through real quick. Jimmy Hayes, former Blackhawk. We also found out that he passed away yesterday as well. 
And so I wanted to give my condolences to him and his family. He was a young father, 31 years old, no longer with us. He just this weekend was celebrating with his family. And that's why I really just want all of us to really just think about what's really important in life, what really matters. And let's just enjoy it. Let's live life to its fullest because this is a 31-year-old guy now that's no longer with his family. He leaves behind a wife, children, a mom and dad and a brother. It's just a tough situation, fellas. Very tough situation. And my condolences goes out not only to his family, but also Boston College to where he won a championship with. I want to salute to them. Again, other teams that he's played for as well. So I want to salute to his brother as well, who um, Kevin Hayes, uh, another guy who plays hockey. So their family, man, my condolences goes out to all of them who've been touched or impacted by this loss. Condolences to his family, to everyone that he touched, that he had an effect on. And then his son, you know, his son just turned two years old. And then the next day he passed away unexpectedly. So that's tough. That's a tough, tough loss. My condolences, my heart goes out. Any of our listeners with families, with kids, nephews, nieces, and, and whatever the case may be, man, just this love on them extra tight. And, and I'm not trying to be corny when I say that, but man, we just got to value family, value friends and personal relationships because I feel like a lot of times in life, we take life for granted. We take the people in our lives for granted. And I just think that when I keep seeing things like this, it just kind of puts things in more perspective for me as I read these situations that happen every day. Absolutely, Prez. That's well said. You're right. Keep your family close. Keep your friends close. Reach out to them. Tell them how you feel about them. Tell them you love them. You know, have some good dialogue. Have some fun as well. Yes, sir. Speaking of keeping somebody close, fellas, did you all get some insight into this Tyreek Hill versus Usain Bolt talk? So apparently... Usain Bolt was on a, he was on Dan Patrick and he basically asked him, hey, Tyreek Hill's been making some comments about being able to beat you in a race. And Usain Bolt's like, yeah, he's been chirping at me for the last couple of years. He said, but one of these days I might actually show up. <laughs> what y'all think about that? Because when I, we, we've had an episode, maybe that was like three episodes back and DC had brought up something about Usain Bolt. And so I wanted to get you guys' thoughts. What do you think about that? Because Tyreek Hill's fast, but Usain Bolt's like fast, fast. Usain Bolt is clearly head and shoulders above mostly every human being on the planet. When you think about it, the man is untouchable. So Tyreek Hill, while he is also on a very high level that most people can't reach, I think Usain Bolt is just a little bit better. Well, look, let me just go ahead and put this perspective for you guys. I remember when Corey Benjamin called out Michael Jordan. <laughs> and Michael Jordan pulled up. And we saw what happened, right? <laughs> Michael Jordan cooked him, took him to school. Well, guess what, Tyreek Hill? I'm not sure if you're ready for that smoke when you say Hank Bolton, because when he pull up, all you're going to see is dust, my brother. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for that kind of embarrassment? I don't think so. Okay, we know if it's a 100-meter dash or something along those lines, Tyreek Hill doesn't have a chance. But now let's say, for instance, a 60-meter race. Now, that's a little bit different. So I wonder... Now, is it a little bit more of a situation where Tyreek has a chance? Because Usain Bolt is a notorious slow starter for anybody that follows track and field. Usain Bolt starts off slower, and then he finishes the race on the back 50 just like better than anybody else. So do you guys think it would be a little closer there if it were 60 meters as opposed to a 100-meter race? You know, I saw you know Tyreek Hill go against T.O., right? They had that little race that went on. Yep. And T.O. kept up, you know what I'm saying? And we know how you are. Usain Bolt really has come to the speed. I get what you're saying, bro, but I think this is a little bit different here. 
We talking about a guy that do this for a living, who runs for a living. I don't know, Perez. I got to go with the vote. Even if you change the rules, even if you go from a 100 to a 60, this man does it for a living. When you think about it, it's just all it is is the distance to the goal. Just just where you're running to. You know, I ran track in high school. I'm nowhere near on that level. But what I will say is that when I ran a 100-yard versus a 200-yard, you just pace yourself. You know exactly what your body needs to do to win given that distance. So even if they shorten it up, I think Usain Bolt is still going to come out the victor in that case. I think so as well. But I always like to just play devil's advocate and just let you know that it could be more intriguing than we think. And I think that Tyreek Hill may be able to keep it close. But I think you're saying, I don't care if you're saying 35 years old, I still think he'll win in that, in that matchup. I think Tyreek just needs to stick to getting ready for the season and winning the Super Bowl and leave Usain Bolt alone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you there, friends. But it will be nice to see, though. I'll, I'll tell you right now, I'll be tuned in to see that. I actually will be too. That that'll be like primetime TV. They they probably make that like some sort of a pay-per-view event. You know how they are. <laughs> Over that. Gotta yeah, make some I'll, money on that. Yeah, I'll definitely pay for that. I'll tune into that. That'll be like everybody in national TV, all those major networks will be trying to vie for those TV rights. But um, yeah, man, I, I we'll see what happens there. But I thought that was pretty interesting. Speaking of national TV, it's the Chicago Bulls, 12 national TV games this season. And one game on TNT. So the TNT Bulls are back, baby. What's up, y'all? <laughs> now, I'm happy about that, Press. To see them boys back. The hype is real, Press. Got a good team. Now they back on national TV like this. Hey, I'm, I'm going to enjoy this, brother. The first thing I noticed was the Lakers having a whopping, what, 42 national TV games. And then the Bulls getting 12. So you got to look at Who's the best in the game? You know, the Lakers, Brooklyn. So you kind of gauge, is 12 a fair number given what these guys are getting? I think we got the short end of the stick on that one. We could have somewhere been like 18 to 20. But I do think they'll they'll add some games. I just think that the NBA schedule makers are being a little cautious to see how everything gels. Well, shit, can you blame them? <laughs> we, ain't, we ain't been to the playoffs in a minute, bro. So, right. so, you know, it's probably one of those situations they like, we're going to proceed cautiously with this one. But I was pretty excited that I saw we got the, the Nets and the Lakers on the schedule, national TV, the Suns and the Bucks. Those could be some pretty good games there. Yeah, even the Warriors, Press. I, I mean, I'm kind of excited about all this. The fact that we're playing against some very good teams and we're on national TV doing it. So that is, a, again, a step in the right direction from last year. So I'm all happy for it. I'm looking forward to these games here. So, Perez, I got to salute this part of it. I'm coming in with a Chicago bias, of course. But <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that's what, we, that's what we do, DC. <laughs> that's what we do, exactly. I have to think about the national TV audience because even when I travel or, you know, I say, hey, I'm a Bulls fan. They're like, oh, oh, you know, I feel bad for you. I haven't seen you guys since Derrick <laughs> Rose was playing. And I'm like, yeah, you're damn right because we don't get on any national TV channels inside maybe once a year, twice a year. So, we watch them game in, game out. Everybody else doesn't get that same exposure, so they don't know Zach Levine and, and what he's capable of. Oh, they're going to learn. They're going to learn. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> they're going to see. But I'm just, I'm really, so when I look at the, the schedule and I said, okay, seven games on NBA TV, not too many people watch NBA TV. I'm like, put us on TNT. Like, put some respect on us now. Oh, that's the part. I'm, I was kind of feeling you what you had to say on that, DC. I'm like, why are they scared? Why are they ducking us? Because they know what the Bulls do on TNT. 
Because we knocked yeah. off some squads back in the day when they put us on that on that station. I hear your point there, Perez, but you've got to also look at ESPN. We, we got a few ESPN games as well against some pretty good teams. So as soon as that we get some games on both of them, I'm kind of happy about that. The big-time games, the real national exposure is the ABC games. Not that ABC respect. Good point there, DC. Hey, I'm with you, man. I think our time is coming. We want to get that far with it. We got to get the playoffs, right? <laughs> so we got to make some noise this year. We'll definitely see that, fellas. But, you know, I think it's a step in the right direction for our team here. They made some really good moves uh, over the offseason there and even at the deadline uh, before the season ended. So, hey, we're going to make sure that the NBA recognizes this team for who they are. In my opinion, this is a playoff team, but they got to just show people what they're all about. So only 12 games, but we'll see. Like Because like you said, they can always add games over the course of the season. You know how Adam Silver is. He loves a storyline. So Absolutely. he'll figure it out. <laughs> he like Vince McMahon. You know what I'm saying? That sure. man loves a storyline. Hey, we hot. He's rolling with us. That's how sure. you do it. All right. Well, shit. Well, speaking of what's hot, I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on the jersey numbers, the announcements that the, the Bulls made. So obviously it was no surprise that Lonzo ended up with number two. And so when I was looking at that, I said, hmm. He's like the best player that I wore that number since, let's say, maybe Norm Van Leer. Because I don't really count, you know, when Eddie Curry wore that number. But I wore that number. But I want to get you guys a thought on that. Because to me, I'm like, Lonzo Ball, he's going to represent for that number, I think. Well, well, Prez, let's not forget, Nate Robinson also wore number two in recent memory. And Nate came through and put some respect on on number two. So uh, He did. Because he, mm-hmm. but you know what? But then Jabari came behind him and he fucked the shit up all over again. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, you all—they can't be embarrassing my boy, um, Norm Van Leer, man. They gotta, hey, if you're gonna wear that jersey number, you gotta execute on that number there. That's right. We need more Norm Van Leers in the world. Yes, we do. What do you say? Forty minutes of intensity, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir, friends. You know it, Norm. Yes, sir. That was my man. And, and listen, I, and I didn't mean to take no shot at Jabari because Jabari's still a Shacktown legend. It's just, you know, he came here a little out of shape. He was kicking it at Harold's a little too much. But you know what? We still love you, man. You still represented the Simeon, my brother. Yes, sir. <laughs> still represent our city. Do well with the kids. I like what he's doing there. But hey, on this court, man, it's another animal. We're looking for guys to execute, baby. All right. So then we got Adam Caruso, number six jersey, taking that number from fucking Cristiano Felicio, fellas. <laughs> hopefully he could do this number some justice. I mean, I think anybody would have done that number more justice than Felicio. Hey, I'm with you there, friends. The margin, the bar has been set very low for him, so he'll do just fine with that number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's very, very low. It's like one of them limbo bars. You can't even get low. Like, nobody even going that low. Felicio is about as low as you can get. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, bring some beauty to that number now. He, he He's able to do that right now. I'm hoping so. Well, you remember your boy Keith Bogans had the number at one point. That was D-Rose's boy. Remember he was like, I'm always rolling with Keith? Keith was a real one, man. You could tell he was just that dude in the locker room. Like, nobody messed with Keith. Keith also brought that defense too, man. Hey, look, he was undersized, but he's like, hey, look, I'm going to play my ass off. Shit, Keith probably right now on the block somewhere. I ain't fuck with you, Keith, man. You <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, well, DeMar DeRozan, number 11. So notoriously, he's won number 10 over the course of, the, of his career. And he kind of teased the fact that he was going to wear number 11 this season. So, fellas, when you think about that number 11, I mean, the only person I could think of is Doug McDermott. So 
come on, DeRozan, you got to bless that number because we haven't had much success with that number. What would you guys think with the number, jersey number 11? Ronnie Brewer. He put the respect on 11. I forgot about our old brew, bitch mob. Shout out to you, Ronnie Brewer. Yeah, he was all right. <laughs> he said he was all right. He was all right. You know, he wasn't a bad player, but he was all right, though. But hey, hey, the Rose got a chance to really make a mark with that number, though. You know what I'm saying? Can really take it to a whole nother level. I know he would probably won a 10, but he couldn't get that 10. You know, Bob right. Love got that in the bag already. So yes, it sir. is what it is. But hey, yes, sir. Number 11, not bad. Make your own mark with that. You got a chance to really do some great things in that number. So, and therefore, we all can remember that number down the road. Well, shout out Butterbean, man. Legend. 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 Yes, sir. Jersey number 12, our brother Ayo DeSumo. Now, I'm just going to say this. Y'all know I'm a huge Kirk Hyrett stand. I stand Kirk Hyrett. So, Ayo, wear that number and do it proud, sir. Fellas, what y'all thinking about number 12? I think with number 12, he should do fine. You're right. He got some shoes to fill. I mean, Kirk Hyron played in, like you said already. Hey, the great MJ had one game in that jersey. That's hey, right. that, that, that should mean something. <laughs> hey, I, yo, hey, you got a little shine on you, man. Make that number proud. Do some great things in it. We're pulling for you, of course. But, hey, that's something to work with. 12 was my number in eighth grade when I played, man. So, definitely, definitely. That's a good number, bro. You're going to hit some shots at 12. Kirk Heinrich hit some shots wearing 12, man. So, do, you're going to do do just fine wearing the number 12, man. It's some magic in that number. <laughs> and, and A-Dub, I love that when you brought up that little history about Jordan wearing that number. Now, listeners, do you guys know the origin of the number 12 jersey number? If you do, email us at chicagostateofmind at gmail.com. First person to answer that correctly, get surprised. A-Dub, that just came off the cuff, but I thought that was a great question. Yes, sir. We'll roll with it, baby. All right. Speaking of number 12. Remember Daniel Gafford? I was really upset when they traded him. He was another number 12, and I really respected what he brought to the table for this franchise. But Ayo, brother, you from Chicago, you got to represent, man. Wear that number 12 proud and get ready to grind. Yes, sir. Get ready to work, baby. Because, I mean, look, let's work. Yeah, it's all about the intangibles, just doing the little things. Kirk was scrappy. Kirk dove on the floor. He did whatever he had to do to make the play. So keep that mentality of mind, and you'll be all right. Absolutely. and Kirk wasn't afraid to get in somebody's face either. You remember them Heat Bull series? Kirk, <laughs> Kirk was he was built for that, man. I was like, man, this kid from Iowa, but shit, he's scrappy with it though. Kirk was tough, man. He was also a leader of the team as well. So hey, you got some shoes to fill on that though, man. A lot of respect that we have for Kirk Heinrich. Now I got a controversial one to talk to you about. And, and audience, you about to get some peak prayers on this one. Tony <laughs> Bradley in the number thirteen jersey, brother. What are you doing, Tony Bradley? Talk to him though. Look, I'll tell you one thing. I would not have taken that number 13 jersey <laughs> if I was him. To back up Noah, hey, look, Noah had that jersey. I mean, Noah was a guy who did all the dirty work for the Bulls and made an impact on the team. I mean, one year, he was actually ranked in um, MVP voting one year. So if you want to take that number 13, you got to know that comes with hard work and dedication, baby. Yeah, Joe Kim Noah ain't nothing to mess with. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, the approach that he brought to the game of basketball, the leadership from from day one, even when he was a rookie, he wasn't afraid. He was challenging Ben Wallace for minutes at the starting spot. I mean, like it was it was a no brainer. Like this dude brings energy. He brings passion. You know, like if you're going to wear that jersey, if you're going to wear that number. You have to embody those things. And I know he said that he he chose it to honor Joe King. Yep. But dude. 
do you really think you're going to outplay Joakim wearing that jersey and possibly have your number retired? Because I think we would retire Joe's number, or at least Joe's name would be in the rafters. But hey, time will tell. But hey, that's that's a controversial one for sure. <laughs> hey, look, he looks up to Noah. You're right. He said he wanted to honor him. Hey, kudos to you, man. Just know you got some big shoes to fill when you decide to do that. So I'm hoping that this guy can show us anywhere near what Noah was able to give us. Kudos to him. So good guy to look up to, a good guy to want to imitate. Go ahead and do it, man. When Noah's like, make this comment that always get, that gets to me, that makes me chuckle, was when Noah told um, LeBron, this team, that, hey, who goes to Cleveland on vacation? Nobody goes to Cleveland on vacation. <laughs> I've always got a good chuckle out of that. So to your point, DC, Noah always shown us that, hey, he's a tough guy and he don't care. It's an all-time soundbite right there, hey, Doug. And I'm just going to say this about Tony Bradley talking about he's wearing 13 to honor him. It sounds good, but <laughs> the stuff that I see Noah doing, playing on that bad foot ankle situation, and he basically wheeled us to that game seven victory, that coast to coast steal and dunk against the Boston Celtics, the way that he stood up to the Miami Heat, those sound bites that you talked about, calling them Hollywood as hell because we know they was Hollywood as hell. Yep. Tony Bradley. Are you about that kind of life? Because if you're going to honor this man's jersey, then you got to sacrifice. You got to be ready to put in that work. Because Joe Kim Noah put in that work. He was a Tom Thibodeau disciple. He was that man's general. He was the leader of that locker room. And he kept that locker room together. So if you want to talk about honoring that person, talk is cheap, bro. Let's see what you got. And also, look how Noah was off the court. That guy was in the communities, friends. With all the good stuff, man, with kids. But you say you want to honor him? Got to step your game up, man. Yeah, and I just hope it wasn't one of those situations where they asked him what number he wants. And he said, oh, 13. And then he immediately realized, uh-oh. Right. <laughs> right. Then his publicist got to go say, hey, we got to tweet something nice out so these fans don't, you know, come looking for your address. So <laughs> that wasn't the case. If he didn't really consciously know that that was Joakim Noah's number, that, that's, that's messed up. But you got to live up to it, man. Listen, I still, I still want him to change the number. Just like that fool that decided it was okay to wear the number one jersey, and he changed that shit real quick. Real <laughs> y'all gotta stop y'all gotta stop playing with our legends man stop playing with them tony bradley yes, no disrespect to you i'm sure you're a fine upstanding gentleman but number 14 was available i bet so i don't know just think about it right <laughs> <laughs> for real you don't want to touch some of those legendary numbers man it comes with a price it do come with a price man because then the fans are gonna be looking at you the first time you do some fucked up shit on the court they're gonna be like uh-huh like no one would have been ready Right, right. Can't embarrass that man's number like that. No, sir. The last jersey edition I wanted to talk about was DC's boy, Marco Samanovic, number 19. I don't have much on that one because not too many notable Bulls have worn that number in the past. So, Marco, press ain't got nothing to say, man. Do your thing. <laughs> hey, Marco got a chance to be legendary with that number there, man. Hey, he can make a big mark with that. Number 19, hey, a number that we not accustomed to seeing often. I'm looking forward to seeing how he played with that. He can make a mark with that number. Yeah, this could be a pleasant surprise. Like I said, you know, the Joker was picked in the second round, and no, and we had zero expectations of this man. So the ceiling is very high. That bar has been set, you know, from an AK pick. So if that's his ceiling, that number 19 could be very prominent. You may see a lot of 19 jerseys around the city of Chicago. But, hey, time will tell. When you buying yours. 
you know, since Bitcoin is so expensive right now, that okay. might be Okay. Just to, you know, like draft, draft and stash, just get a Marco jersey now. <laughs> it blows up in the future. Look at my Foot Locker receipt. <laughs> I, thought, I thought DC was about to hit us with the way, the way my bank account set up. That moves with it from save us to the checking. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Go and get that jersey, DC. Get that jersey, boy. Jersey, the new Bitcoin, I'm telling you. <laughs> the new Bitcoin. <laughs> He said, that jersey is a penny Bitcoin. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, you silly, brother. You silly. All right, let's let's transition it to Pat Williams. So this is somebody that we talked a lot about over the course of the summer here. He stepped up the summer league. He showed some signs of progress. There was still some parts of his game that I still kind of like, eh, we got to tweak some things with you, Pat. But for the most part, I thought he performed well. So I want to get you guys' thoughts on when you look at Pat Williams, when you look at this roster, what do you see his role being in 2021? I think that Patrick Williams is going to continue to evolve in the role that he had this past season and in his rookie season because he's going to be asked to step up his game on the defensive end because now we've got DeMar DeRozan coming in at the three. So he's going to have to learn how to play both, you know, those three, four, maybe even five spots, depending because you think about it, Billy Donovan can go very small and run Patrick Williams at the five. I mean, he's a very mature bodied young man for someone who's not even 20 yet. So I think he can handle himself. So yeah, you're going to see more defensive responsibilities and he's really going to have to work on his jumper. His jumper is going to have to be wet because he's got a playmaker like Lonzo ball that could find him very easily. So just work on his shot, step up his defense and uh, I think the kid, he'll be all right. You might see him more in that Luol Deng role, though. Luol Deng did a lot of slashing. I could see DeMar slashing. I could see Patrick Williams slashing. So he's going to get some easy buckets. Yeah, I'm with you there, DC. He should get a lot of easy buckets playing with Lonzo Ball. Uh, he's playing with a nice amount of unselfish guys. So I will see his game offensively go to the next level. But I think a lot of easy buckets he's going to get. Like you said, they're going to use him as a versatility guy where he's going to play some of the power forward, small forward. Uh, when they run small ball, he's also probably going to play a good role at running the second unit as well. Because you can see in the summer league, he's been having the ball a hell of a lot lately in the summer league that we played in. So he showed off a lot of that skill set there. So I can see the ball being in his hands, man, more so than I thought it would be. I think his mid-range is still on point. Now you're starting to see him expand his game to shoot that three-point a lot more than probably have done in the past. So I can see that expanding for him within the season. So yeah, he should be able to um, save a lot of his energy for defense and an offense should flow easy and naturally by the fact that he's surrounded by so many good guys who can play offense. Yeah, I mean, the way I look at it, with having Lonzo and DeMar DeRozan on his roster, I think that takes a lot of a burden off of Pat Williams because last season there were many times where he hesitated to shoot the ball. And so I saw a summer league where Pat Williams was filling it up. He was taking the shot when it was there. And that was something that I was really presently surprised by. So I think what we might see from him this season is a little bit more aggressive on offense. But I also agree with what you said there, A-Dub, about the fact of what he might be able to do with that second unit. I think what the Bulls may do with him is they probably will stagger his minutes a bit so that way he is going to be on that second unit and he'll be the lead guy there. So he'll have to take a back seat in that starting rotation, but then they'll have him on the court and he's leading that second unit. And I think that's the way he's going to be able to get some of those buckets. So that that's the part about him that I really think is going to be good there. And also, you brought up the point about him on the defensive side of things. I still think that Pat Williams is going to lock down the best opposing offensive player every game. So I think that it's going to be very important 
to make sure that they're not overusing him offensively. So that way he's got a little something left to like lock down on defense. Hey, good point there, Perez. You still have enough in the tank, man. So where you're able to, you know, like I said, focus in on defense. And then when it's time for him to utilize his offensive skills, he'll be able to do that. And I think most of that we'll probably see with the second unit because you made a good point. In the starting rotation, we may get other guys involved. Vucevic, you know, get involved in the game. Your boy, Zach Levine, it's going to be really hard for him to really, you know, shine offensively with those guys. And that's and, and you, that's bound to happen that way. But you're right. With the second unit, we'll see more of his arsenal in, in, that, in that area. Yeah, and then you got to look at it too. Lowry marketing still may be with the team. So Lowry right. may be the first guy up off the bench. So you may see Patrick Williams head to the bench early, maybe midway through the first quarter, and then get a lot of run, maybe run that whole second quarter with the second unit and really be looked at as a uh, uh, as a lead guy with that unit. Him, Kobe, Marco, like really letting the young guys flourish. Yes, when Kobe, if Kobe ever gets back into that lineup, that injury came out of nowhere. I still was like, man, what the hell happened? What kind of shoulder injury is that? I mean, out four to six months. I'm like, good Lord. But supposedly he's going to be back in mid-November. DC, that's a good point because that second unit could be pretty formidable, especially when he gets back in the mix. He's a bucket, not a lead point guard, but he's a bucket. The key factor in all this here to see success is going to be the style of play the Bulls run offensively. What kind of style they running? Are they really going to play faster? pace with a lot of pace and get buckets and get transition points like that or are they going to be a team that really you know focus in on a half court game so we'll see what they decide to do they can go either way with the second unit versus the first unit but we'll see how they play man yeah definitely agree with you there so what are your early bold predictions for the 2021 season for the bulls because i'm sure you guys got some things up in your sleeve that you think it might be uh going down for the squad again i'm gonna hit you with the chicago bias i think that Given the amount of disrespect for the most part and a few other outlets, but ESPN primarily, they ranked the Bulls 10th in the East. Jesus Christ. So disrespectful. How does Indiana, how does Charlotte, how does, I mean, New York Knicks, they, you know, they, they did pretty well in the offseason, but you've got four pretty much four bona fide all-stars in your in your start lineup because Lonzo Ball has all-star potential and, and talent. But yeah, we're getting disrespected, man. So I would say 50 to 54 because Brooklyn, of course, is going to end up with 60. Milwaukee could, you know, they could be in that 56, 58 range. I feel like the Bulls are going to be a solid third seed. Third seed, that will be like 50 to 54 wins. So I like that bold prediction, but I want to go back to something you said there. Who were the teams that was above the Bulls on ESPN's list? Who'd you say? Indiana? Indiana, yes. Yeah, what? I mean, I didn't know adding Rick Carlisle was the needle mover. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Talk to him, DC. I'm I'm, I'm feeling like Brad's right now. Go ahead, brother. (laughs) How how, how does adding Rick Carlisle, what else did they do? Who else? Nothing. Nothing. Nobody. That's who. Okay. They must, ESPN must really have it out for Lonzo or something because they they really favor LaMelo Ball heavily. Like he's the next LeBron James of media coverage for that network. So that's everybody. They love LaMelo. He, rightfully so. He's got some game, but come on, put some respect on Lonzo now, ESPN. What's up? Right. Like, I started this ball shit, and it's the thanks I get. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like, you know I, I'll dare. I'll dare he. But one more tidbit I'm going to throw out here on the Bulls. 
they know they're being counted out. They know they're being disrespected. They know they're being overlooked. Uh, so I feel like they're just going to use that as motivation, as that chip on a collective chip on their shoulder, and they're going to surprise a lot of people. Yeah, I like what you said there, DC. I thought the Bulls were, um, is a top five team in the East from my standpoint. Make a very strong push in the playoffs, where they can probably put someone to the brink of getting to that second round if they don't make it. But I know they'll make the playoffs for sure as, as a top five seed. That's my thought process. I think the Bulls is a team that I think um, is loaded. They don't have they get one of their pieces where they get hurt. They can still sustain. I look at some of these other teams and say, okay, let one of your guys get hurt. You're done. <laughs> You're done, right? You're cooked. Um, you yep. won strong all-star caliber type player away from going down. So for me, I look at the Bulls and say, look, they can sustain a season to where they probably can get that fifth seed. I think you guys are both spot on. I definitely see this team being a, a sneaky 50-win ball club. And I also see them being a top five playoff seed. I don't know what the hell ESPN is talking about. It wouldn't be the first time they've been wrong because that shit there, when I saw them rankings come out, I'm like, man, that must be somebody that don't watch basketball. And it's someone of those fucking stat nerds because these people don't know what the fuck they're talking about. If you ever watch basketball and you see what AK is assembled on this roster offensively, they're going to put up some points on these teams this year. I'm really excited about that. Now, defensively is where I'm worried, but offensively, we're going to be straight. Yes, sir. We got a chance, man. And I look at all these other teams who are offensively driven in the East. I, I look at see how they rank up against the Bulls. And you know it's all about matchups, things that need to praise. Mm-hmm. Um, who's healthy, those matchups. And I look at the Bulls like, man, they got some nice guys on this team, man. Um, when it comes down to scoring, these guys can put the ball in the basket. So um, can these other teams match up with them? Like like DC said, man, the Hornets. Can the Hornets really match up against the Bulls? I don't think so, Perez. Indiana? I don't think so. Not now. Yeah. Not with these things we made. Man, fuck Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm with the Perez. <laughs> Dude, you know what? When I think of Indiana, I just get mad because I think of Reggie Miller, man. Ah, fuck them. I hate that damn team. Hate that kick. That's a good thing. Let's take a negative turn into a positive because, yeah, they're rating us 10th. They're rating us so low, so that means those Indiana games, because they're right above us, are going to be a lot more intense. So we're going to see those rivalries come back. The Bulls-Indiana, Bulls-Knicks, Bulls-Heat. Like, I'm I'm ready for it. I got the popcorn. Michael Jackson, Thriller style. <laughs> I'd love to see that, man, because the NBA is missing those rivalries, so I, I definitely would be all for that. My bold prediction before we get into some Bears talk, because I know we've had a lot of people in our mentions saying, hey, we want more Bears talk. So guess what? Y'all going to get it this week. But before we get there, my bold prediction, fellas, and y'all about to have something to say on this one. The Bulls will trade Kobe White. That's my bold prediction. When I look at him on this ball club, I say, bro, you no longer a fit. They thought that you was going to be the lead guard last year. They learned real quick. Nah, you ain't that, bro. You a poor man's Ben Gordon. Now, he's a bucket. But I think you trade him and get a piece in here that's going to really help us build and, and, and get things to the next level. But that's my bold prediction. Kobe White gets traded at the deadline. Hey, Press, I'm not against that. If he gets traded, I think that's a good thing. I don't think that he's okay with coming off the bench anyway. I mean, sometimes a lot of young guys feel that in their heart that they are starters. And I think maybe he probably can bounce back and start somewhere else. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> we'll see what's out there. But I think if he gets traded, that's good for the other pieces that's on this team already. I mean, you may get a chance to see Io more now because of that reason. So I'm all for that. And I think naturally with Kobe being out and Io likely stepping in in the backcourt with Alex Caruso, I don't think Io's going to let that spot go. So yeah, Kobe's probably going to see that as he starts to get healthy. They may package him with marketing. Right. 
But no, I mean, I think that's because we haven't heard anything on Lowry. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like the Bulls are going to lean towards keeping him and just trying to find a spot for him throughout the season. And it may have to come at the expense of trading Kobe. So I, I like that prediction. Yeah. You, you know what, Press? You said Kobe might get traded. Hey, look, it's possible that Lowry might get traded because we already know that he's the one who's really not happy being here. <laughs> I know that he kind of made it, you know, kind of public, you know, how he felt about the Bulls and where this team is going right now. So with that, I can see him being gone as well. So if they can't trade both of them because of the injury, but the fact that Laura is fine, maybe he's the one that goes first. Hey, Dub, I'm going to come at you a little bit on that. That's low-hanging fruit, my brother. Everybody in this city thinks that Lowry's getting traded, but who's over here talking to you about Kobe White getting traded? That's all I'm going to say. Okay, yeah, I can roll with that, Prince. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. I can roll say. with that, my brother. You right. There you go. There you Fair go. enough. My man. All right, so, hey, Dub, I'm coming to you next here. You and I just got off of the Bears Central's podcast yesterday. We talked about that ball game and that debacle what was going on with the Bears, that defense, the offensive line, special teams, the whole nine. Now, <laughs> there's been a lot of chatter on social media, talk radio, all the podcasts were ablaze. And I feel like the fan base, everybody's a little worried. I'm going to ask you, A-Dub, and then we're going to kick this over to D.C. next. Is it too soon to panic about the Chicago Bears? Prez, I think it's too soon to panic. I have gotten a chance to calm the fuck down to really think about this. <laughs> I think it's too soon. And here's why I'm going to say it's too soon. We're going to ask ourselves this one question here. Since when have we ever started caring about the preseason? Since when? Oh, since Fields got here? Now we all got a problem with preseason now. We've been getting our ass killed at preseason games for many years, friends, and none of us came out with, the, oh, this team, this, this team, that. Now all of a sudden, Justin Fields a part of this. We got a problem with it. I know that Nagy been doing a lot of experimental going on through this um, this training camp and through these preseason now press, so I'm not overly concerned just yet. I do want to see how this regular season go, the first couple games, before I really start to panic. Yeah, I'm not panicking either. To A-Dub's point, the preseason has been an afterthought. You know, it's, it's always been about just making sure you're good for the regular season. These games don't matter. However, the Justin Fields effect now has expectations on the Chicago Bears. The puzzle is not completely filled in yet. So it's not time to hit the panic button. That's why you play the games. Just got to let it come together. I mean, those type of losses will happen. You will get stomped <laughs> like a mud hole into the <laughs> to use the Stone Cold reference. But yeah, it's, it's gotta, <laughs> it's, they stomped the mud hole in the ass. No lie. But yeah, those games are going to happen. Just, just practice patience. We'll be all right. Now, I'm going I'm to say one thing to y'all on, on y'all preseason talking points there. Now, I do agree with you. Most times, I only watch preseason because I want to see the rookies and the undrafted guys kind of fight to make the roster. And I just kind of want to see generally how the team is competing out there. Now, I think the reason why the preseason is a little bit more important to the fans and also to me right now is because Matt Nagy is our fucking head coach. <laughs> and we've seen this offense sputter every season under his watch besides the first year. These teams in the NFL have figured out his gimmicky-ass offense. I'm a little bit, you know, because A.W. right. It took us a little bit to get calmed down after all that bullshit. But I still right. feel like I'm still a little hot and bothered by what the hell's going on with this team. Because I don't trust that fucking bald-headed guy in that visor. <laughs> that is my issue with this team right now. It's him. The play calling, his ego. This man needs to get out of the way. 
You ever been around somebody at work or, you know, whatever audience that you guys do in your endeavors and they got to be the smartest fucking person in the room and you just want to slap the fucking shit out of that person? That's Matt Nagy to me. Like, man, go sit down and shut the fuck up, man. Let the grown-ups talk right now because this shit you drawing up ain't going to work. So that's my problem. So he's that's- the reason why I would panic. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, that's fair right there, Perez, because I'll tell you, I've not been happy with Nagy either. I'll tell you right now, even in preseason when it comes down to our offense, you see our offense plays like, damn, dude, this preseason, you can't must up no good offense in preseason, really? I mean, I understand, right, last year how things went, but now we go into the same situation again. So you, you want to see some change, right? And right now, you don't even see us moving the chain that much in the, in, in, in the preseason. So you kind of wonder about that, his play calling, those things. Press, I'm with you there, brother. Uh, I totally get it, man. So if Nugget can't figure it out in preseason, it makes you worry about, hey, can you even figure it out in regular season as well? I would yeah. just hope that someone got in his ear, someone on his steps, something changed to where he's just not showing all his cards right now. You know, like knowing that they have to turn a corner, especially for his job's sake, I would just hope that he unleashes something new, something that's going to fit this personnel. Like I said, you know, time will tell. Yeah, that's a wishful thinking, D.C., because people say that every year. They're like, oh, Nagy's going to keep it vanilla. He's not going to show his cards during the preseason. Then we get to game one. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't no vanilla. That's just what the offense was. Like, Jesus right. Christ. Perez, here's what I hope happens. I just hope by the time this regular season really starts that Nagy looks in the mirror and say, look, I'm going to give up play call. If you can have the guts to say that, that will help us out a whole lot. Just saying. But you know what? He's not going to do that because his job's on the line. So he's going to go down with that damn ship. He ain't going <laughs> to get that shit up. Uh-uh. Oh. No, no, he isn't, man. That's the stubbornness that you're talking about with him. So I totally get it. And then we also seeing issues with special teams and other areas of the football field. That's really going to hurt him very badly, not just the play calling. And also, too, everybody wants to talk about Justin Fields and Andy Dalton, Yeah, which I understand. That's a cute storyline. Right. Dalton starting week one. So, everybody, let's just focus on that. But we still need to make sure that Nagy is rolling out a game plan that can win us some ball games, that he's running the ball with David Montgomery, that they get this offensive line together. Because now this week, if Fetty came back, Peters finally started to practice. Daniels came back from his injury. So maybe now we can have some semblance of an offensive line and maybe A-Dub and and D.C. We might have something here. But I'm telling you, I'm not going to panic. But I am not feeling very confident about that man on the sideline that's calling those plays. That's all I'm going to say to y'all. That's all I'm going to say. Look, we got our eyes open on Nagy, man. We got our eyes open there. So, right, Perez, I'm with you there, man. I'm looking at him, seeing what he's doing, the play calling, how he set guys up for success. Remember, we talked about that, right? Playing to these guys' strengths. Can he really do that in his offensive structure? How he structures his plays? Is that setting these guys up for success? So, if he can't do that, Perez, that's when we're really going to really come hard at Nagy on that. And I'm telling you, man, I'm waiting on game one, Press, the first game of the regular season. I really want to see what he's about when it comes down to that. We'll see, man. But if he messes up this Justin Fields, because we got a gift-wrapped franchise quarterback just in bubble wrap, just waiting for the opportunity. If he messes this up, I swear to God, I hope somebody's still on Nagy. I hope they still on <laughs> Here is my problem, Press, with this whole thing with Nagy, and it come down to the quarterbacks and how he made it a problem, really. Nagy actually made this a problem. The fact that he goes about saying, hey, you know, that Andy Dalton's our guy, didn't make this more of a challenge for him in a way, really, and giving it to this guy, that makes it tougher right there because I thought Justin Fields really showing us a whole hell of a lot 
during this time frame. Yeah. The fact that he already declared Dalton as the guy did him no favors, especially when you got a talent like Justin Fields there. Let him win it, you know, like let let them have a fair competition and just let the eye test be the judge, you know. Um I don't know, it's gonna be an uphill uphill climb for him, no doubt, because like we said, he's he's on the hot seat and the whole world knows it. Well, yeah, it's a blowtorch on that motherfucking seat. So we'll, we'll <laughs> see what happens there. But for the most part, listeners, collectively here, we're not panicking. But let's just say that I'm watching and my eyes are wide open right now. I'm just looking at everything. I'm like, I'm gonna be picking everything apart too, A Dub. I'm telling you. I'm going to be picking away at that shit like a fine-tooth comb. Like, I don't know about that. Because right now, and I talk about this a lot with both of you guys, this is year four with Khalil Mack. He cannot afford to waste another year of that guy's prime. This is now one of these seasons that they got to execute. They got to get it done. You on the right track there, brother? I'll be right there sitting right next to you. Hey, <laughs> looking at these plays and everything else that goes along with it. Oh, Execute. I know you will be. Execution is the key that unlocks the door of opportunity. So wise man said, wise man said, <laughs> can't execute. You got to go. That's right. Get them up out of here. Well, hey, speaking about not being able to execute, a double's going on with the Chicago sky. Lost two in a row. Candace Parker injured that ankle. What's going on over there, bro? Man, Perez, it's getting tighter with that, man. The fact that losing, you know, um, Candace Parker is a huge ordeal. And the thing is, we're actually going to feel that impact. I got a chance to watch these ladies play, and I can tell you that is a gap with Candace Parker there. We're missing her versatility, Perez. We're missing her scoring in inside. And we're missing her scoring from the outside as well. We're missing that, especially on defense, Perez. We're missing that as well because I saw that Big Mama can't keep up through those screens, and that's where Candace Parker really come in at. So defensively, yep. they're hurt, and there's nobody on this team that can fill that void of Candace Parker. Yeah, definitely teams are definitely picking Big Mama apart in that screen and roll. Yeah, and you just hope that they're not running out of gas, you know, because having Candace on the floor really does help uh, with everybody just being in their natural roles and just making sure that that they can, like we just said, execute. But when you take her out the equation and these teams can, you know, just throw these schemes at you, man, like maybe they're running out of gas, you know, in the fourth quarter, you know, down the stretch, you know, they don't have enough to pull it out. You know, they might be stretched too thin, but hopefully she gets back healthy very soon. Playoffs are right around the corner. That's exactly it. Another thing, too, I feel like Coach Wade is kind of losing his patience because if you notice, before the Olympic break, he had a different starting lineup than the starting lineups that we've seen in the last couple of games. So he's switching things up, and he's even trying to figure out what he has to work with with the squad right now. Vandersloot's been doing good. Quigley has been doing very well scoring-wise. But on that defensive end press, that's what we feel like the most. We're trying to outscore teams because we don't have the defensive leverage um, that Candace Park was able to provide, you know. I mean, these other teams are making a living off layups, Perez. Screens, quick movement, easy layups. And that's starting to really hurt the Chicago sky because they're not getting a lot of easy buckets. So those kind of things are really hurting badly. Yeah, you have to make sure that you are able to get into your offense, get those easy buckets when necessary, you know, do those little things. But if you're missing, you know, she's the lead dog. And, yo, sometimes just her presence. This is the thing, like, in professional sports that analysts and commentators, they don't really speak on enough is 
just that cultural impact that a person's presence brings to the team. You know, if they're not there in the role that they can shine best in, because some people are cool with being leaders off the floor. You know, if they get hurt and they're just on the bench, yeah, yeah, that's 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 cool, you know. But when she's out there on that court, it just does, it's a different effect to who they are collectively as a group. And when you're missing that, you know, that that, that takes takes a lot away. So yeah, and the good point you get the prayers you brought up though, man, is about that lineup. You're right, Wade is really working his ass off over there, trying to get the right mix to work without Candace Parker. And I think he's trying hard. He's trying his hard to do it. I mean, he's been mixing things up. He's trying to see what works, where we can get the most momentum out of. He's been trying. He really has. So you can see in certain lineups, Fred, we get a good momentum going. Then you see that, you know, second half, they make an adjustment. And then you got to try to make an adjustment. So it's been an X and O's type of game for him, like trying to figure out what we can sustain moving forward. So it's been hard, man. It really has been hard. I know it's tough on him. He's been playing with Dawson, Stevens, trying to work those two and see what he can get out of yep. both of them, you know? So yep. that's been tough to do. It really has been because you have not gotten a lot out of both of them, you know? Well, you remember that Wade mentioned that he met with Stevens before the season resumed after this break and said that, listen, I envision you playing a larger role down the stretch. And so that's what you were kind of referring to about how she should be able to get a little bit more playing time. Also, it wouldn't surprise me if Allie Quigley ends up in that starting lineup. I think that's a possibility. That does make sense to me because when you don't have Candace Parker, it, it creates a different style. So you're right, with Quigley and Courtney Vandersloot, those two are the engines on offense, really, that makes it go. Add Copper with them, they can just run the floor, really, because now they can spread the floor a little bit press and do do their magic there. But when you have Candace there, you're going to need to lock down defensively. So now we're playing, you know, with the offensive role side of it now. Let's play offense, because that's all we got right now to try to win. So you're right, Perez. I can see Quigley now playing a major role offensively to try to keep this team going. And I want to just piggyback on what you guys talked about earlier when it came to Candace Parker. She is the glue. She's the piece, and obviously the missing piece, for them to be title contenders. So if we don't have Candace Parker down the stretch, then that's a major liability for this team because, let's just be honest, Candace Parker's the reigning defensive player of the year, right? She right. is the key to that defense. A.W., you brought up that point about the defense. And we've seen when she's in that lineup, they are pretty strong on defense. Without her, that defense gets a little little shaky out there. So I really hope that this is an injury that she can get back from down the stretch because this playoff battle is going to be really tight. Yeah, and hopefully we can make the playoffs right. And who knows, like you said, how long Ken is going to be out for us. We don't really know for sure. But that's a tough thing to, for the team to deal with. So if they can sustain it, and get some wins out of all this, friends. that's a plus because it's a tough road, man. It gets tougher without her. So I know Diamond the Shields, she's not a scorer on the team. She's more of a defender. Right. I'm on this team, Perez. We can't get a lot of scoring out of her. Not get it, you know, but she's a defender. That's what she does best. Right. But this team needs some scoring, Perez. They can't get any scoring out of her, right? So you make a good point when you talked about, you know, quickly playing a vital part on that part of it. But, man, it's going to be a tough road in general without her, Perez, without Candace Parker. So we've got to make work. We've got to dig deep. And I know Coach Wade going to have to drop some plays and, and look at some matchups for as to what's possibly going to work. Yeah, and just make sure that Candace doesn't re-aggravate herself or do anything that is going to have her out. Because you see how little nagging injuries go. You know, you get hurt, and then a few weeks later, you come look at LeBron. He just, he was he suffered the effects of that. You know, he came back too soon and then hurt his groin uh, a couple seasons ago. So you just got to be really, really careful. AD came back too soon. So just, you know, if she's ready and she's ready to contribute, great. But if she's not fully 100%, 
then uh, you really got to be careful with that. Yeah, and that ankle injury is no joke to play around with, D.C. You know, it's hard to really, you know, say when you can come back from those type of injuries. So you make a good point, man. We got to be careful with those. No, because they can always be retweaked or re-aggravated very, very easily. So we'll definitely see their audience. We're going to definitely keep you guys in the loop here on the Chicago Sky. Hey, we still see really bright things ahead for these ladies. It's just a matter of just how soon we can get Candace back and if they can hold down the fort in the interim. But speaking of teams that are not getting it done, A-Dubs Triple-A Chicago Cubs. <laughs> Keep it up, Prince. Keep it up, all right? I'm not going to take it today, brother. <laughs> hey, listen, that storm's coming your way, bro. I'm just letting you know. It'll pass my area, so. But, <laughs> but it's coming. The, 13 consecutive home losses, A-Dub. Now, I know he gets on this show, and we had a couple of people say, man, tell A-Dub to stop telling us that this team is rebuilding. They're like, we see it. So, A-Dub, 13 consecutive losses, bro. Now, y'all did what y'all did. Y'all took two or three for the Reds. I think that would happen, right? Yeah, it yeah, happened. I'll take it those wins. Yeah, it happened, friends. <laughs> <laughs> when you look at these games, because I'm sure you're still watching. I watched the game on Sunday, and I was looking at I'm like, who was this person that came up the bat? I, I consider myself pretty versed in sports. They had some kid that was up at bat. He like he was 14 years old. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> Look, man, look, chill out no, on that, man. And listen, ain't no, nobody was in the stands. New people in Wrigleyville was like, man, shit, I'd rather just go to the bar. I don't even need to be out there. DC, you remember, man, when we used to work at that former company and they used to just give us tickets for those Cubs games. The Cubs teams were terrible, but that field was packed with fans. Oh, it was always a good time out there. And they kept the tickets flowing. It was like every time you turn around, we're going to, going to, uh, to Wrigley Field, man. It was crazy. Yeah, I was like, them couple years, I was going to more Cubs game than Sox games. But you know what? I was like, well, it's free. Free booze, free food. Cubs at Wrigleyville. All right, sign me up. I'm there. Look, man, y'all need to chill right now, all right? Just, just chill out a little bit, man. I understand we're in a different time frame now, man. You know, nobody's at the game. You're right, Brits. I saw the same thing. I said, look, <laughs> not, the fans not coming out for all this no more, man. No. We had enough. I think 05 kind of changed a lot of things when you all won the, the you know, World Series press that we all witnessed. <laughs> um, so I think that kind of changed this landscape of Chicago in general. So, I mean, it made teams in Chicago now have to play baseball-wise. You got to earn it. You got to earn respect to the fans. So right now, we reverted back to that, to where the fans are like, look, if you're not going to put a winning product out there, we're not going to support you like that. So I totally get it. But yeah, 11-game, losing streak press, that losing streak that continue, that's not good, man. It, it really makes it worse. It makes you don't want to go with the games, and we've been playing some bad baseball. And yeah. I love and respect that about Cubs fans is that hey, if you don't have a winning product out there, you're not going to support. You're going to let you're going to let ownership know that you were not happy with those moves. Same thing that you know I love my Chicago Bulls when we weren't happy with John Paxson and Gar Foreman, we put up a billboard. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> right. There to see it driving into work every day. So by Cubs fans not going to the games, good for you guys. You know, just let them know. Like, put the pressure on them. Say, hey, we're watching you. Just like Perez is <laughs> Just like you are watching uh, what goes down with Matt Nagy, man. Mm-hmm. They're watching to see what that you got, you know, what you guys are going to eventually have as a product. Well, DC, a lot of people are watching from afar. Not that close to Perez now watching uh, Nagy. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, y'all seen the movie The Fan. That's all I'm going to say. Y'all get the reference <laughs> if you watch that movie. <laughs> I know that movie. <laughs> In all seriousness, though, when, when I think about the Cubs and what DC was mentioning about the fans are basically letting the organization know how they feel. 
I respect that with fans because, like you said, DC, we saw that during that Bulls era. When we wanted guard and packs out of there, we stopped showing up. We started those fire guard packs campaigns, right? It didn't work initially. But after that All-Star break and when the Bulls got embarrassed at All-Star weekend, then the changes happened. So fans, they have more power than they realize. And I hope these Cub fans let that Ricketts family know that they didn't like that bullshit fire sale and they need to keep putting the heat and putting the pressure on them to not take all the money out of the damn team and actually invest in the future of this team. Because that's exactly what it was. This was a cash move by the Ricketts family. They won. They gave them the title. So they like, listen, y'all be happy. We gave you a championship. But now we about to make this money on the north side. We about to buy up all the property over here. We going to build this hotel over here. And y'all ain't got nothing to say about it. Well, yes, you do, fans. So stay strong and keep not going to those ball games. And if you do go to the games, boo the shit out of that product. Wear some T-shirts about the Ricketts family. They from Omaha. Make some comments about Omaha. I don't care. <laughs> I hear you, Prince. That's how you do it. Because think about it. The fans are a large part financially, you know, showing up at games. Without the fans, what profits? Ricketts family going to be looking around like, hey, where's the money? Stop buying. St- you know what? Prez, I hear what you're saying. You know, wear certain shirts to man. Stop buying merch. But, you know, I'm talking about, you know how when uh, they've had that fire guard packs, there was fans that was creating them shirts. So you you buy them yeah, shirts that's what from. I'm talking about. Yeah, stop buy them buying, shirts. Like official yeah. cub merch, like make right. your own shirts. <laughs> yeah, stop buying them jerseys, which I don't know which jerseys you're going to buy anymore. Ain't nobody buying no Jason Hayward jersey. So I don't know which jersey you can buy anyway. <laughs> DC, I let you slide. Prez, I let you slide as well. That's enough, man. Leave my boys alone. We know what we got to do on the, on the north side, man. We got to get back right. We're working on it. So uh, right now, that's what we focus on. The point is, for me, is to see how long this is going to last. You know, who do we have? We're going to look at next year's draft, right? Who are we bringing on board? So these kind of things are where we're at right now, Press. Right now, you got a preview of some of these guys you don't know. I know some of these guys out there. Ortega, I know him. I know Wisdom. I know Bodie. I know some of these guys. We got Kyle Hendricks. He's still been playing well you know, as a pitcher. So we got some guys, man. But the thing is, it's not enough to be a winning team. So we got to get some other guys who can help us. How much of this falls on David Ross is the question. The 13 games at home, like how much of that? Because think about it. Now that all his aces are gone, this is really showcasing his ability to manage. So so how much of this falls on him? Because now he's on him. When they hired David Ross, we knew what that was. They got Madden up out of here because they couldn't tell Madden shit. Theo and them, (laughs) they couldn't control Madden. They brought Ross in here because they like, no, we can control you. And that's exactly what they did. So they go keep Rossi in that dugout for as long as he wants that job because he does everything that they want him to do in the in the management in the front office. So no, nah, Rossi good. He good. Ross was a familiar face when they decided to move on. You know, from the previous manager, they decided that hey, at this point, you know, um, they want a familiar face back in the, in the dugout. And Ross was a familiar face. They didn't want to go outside. I mean, we still had at that time frame. We still had Chris Bryan, Rizzo. Now, the thing is, how long is Ross going to last? Is he going to stick around? Is he going to be around the next couple of years down the road? That I can't say. When this team decides to get good again, Perez, are they going to keep Ross with that? I don't think so, man. I just thought that he was here for this time frame now to see if he can, you know, work with this young group here. And then they're probably going to move on from him as well. Listen, that man got grayed out these last couple of seasons. I'm looking at him. I'm like, damn, Rossi, when you got hired, you was ready to go. He was on Dancing with the Stars, looking fresh and shit. Now that man looked like he an alcoholic in that dugout. I feel bad <laughs> for that man. Yeah, it's tough for him, man. But hey, hey, look, Joe Madden did his thing. Ross here. He got a tough task ahead of him, man. 
it's not looking good. You're right. The dude is out there turning gray, like you said, Perez. It's tough, man. It's tough fighting through a season like this here when you lose and getting your bus kicked like this, especially losing these 13 games and over 10 games multiple times in a season. That's hard to take. And two, think about the market. It's Chicago. I know the Chicago Cubs franchise has so much history behind it. It's a high-profile job, right? But it's going to suck knowing that the Chicago White Sox are competing year in and year out for the foreseeable future, and he's the manager of the Cubs who aren't in Chicago. Like, that's a lot to swallow. Like, going up against Tony La Russa, who could... You know what I'm saying? Like, that's that, that's got to be a tough pill to swallow. So, yeah, he might have it easy in ownership's eyes and front office's eyes, but personally, I don't know if I want to continue to be overshadowed like that. Good point there, DC. But, hey, you took on the job. These are the kind of things that come with the territory. Well said, A-Dub, because I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. But let's let's now turn the page to our listeners. Uh, we, we get this feedback a lot. Their favorite segment is when we talk about the Chicago White Sox. The Chicago White Sox. What? The first place <laughs> Chicago White Sox. I'm going to say it again. First place White Sox. Now, fellas, we talked about the closer situation last week on the show because I have not been happy with the way Tony La Russa has been using these closers. And again, people were like, man, you're being a little extra as far as calling out the closer situation. Well, person that said I was being extra, am I being extra now? Did you see what Kimbrell did in the last game? Did you see what Tony La Russa had used him? See, don't talk to me about sports, man, because I know more about sports than you know about your own back of your greasy-ass neck talking that shit to me. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Go ahead, brother. I'm sorry, Perez. They keep coming to play today. When you come for the king, you better not miss. That's all I tell him. <laughs> but want to get you guys' thoughts on that closing situation because when I saw Kimbrell struggling a little bit, I still think he's still trying to find his groove, not only just on a new ball club, but pitching in a new league. And also, too, not really being sure about his role. Press, you hit a good point there, man. His role, you're right, role clarity. He's now been mostly the setup guy versus the closer with the White Sox. And in that setup role, he hasn't pitched well. I mean, he's what, 5.79 earned runs a game he's given up at that point? I hate to talk to statisticals on things like that, but the thing is, it's been tough for him, man, finding his way. You're right, a different league, a different team, and trying to fit in. That's a hard thing to do. And then he doesn't know where he fits in that with this team yet. So he's not getting the time he used to get on the field with playing with the Cubs. He was always out there. Now it's like, hey, I'm in a very limited role, a tight role with a nice little pitching staff here. So it's tough for him, man. It really is. It's hard for him to catch a rhythm that way. So, and then when it's a close game, how much tolerance do you have? I remember Tony LaRusso pulling him out the game one time. They was frustrated with Perez that you saw. So it's like, hey, you know, this guy really trying hard to find his way, but just not working out to his favor right now. Yeah, and the game is mental. You know, I say this regardless of whatever whatever it is that you do, whether you play professional sports, whether you are a janitor, it don't matter. The game is mental. It's all about how you approach and approach it and, and deal with what you got going on in your personal life. So, yeah, making that move and that transition to a new team, trying to understand your role, like A-Dub said, that could be really weighing on him heavily. So Tony LaRusso's job as a manager is to make sure that he's putting the right guys out there and then. You know, when he walks to that mound and he's saying all the right things just to get him, you know, get his head back in the game. And that wild pitch, man, you know, it's tough. But, um, yeah, he's got to figure it out. And I feel like he's with the right organization, the right culture to figure it out fast because 
he can't be bringing down the vibes. I mean, they're like you said, Perez, first place. Um, he's got the right support around him, so not worry too much. Yeah, and the other thing I got to look at with him as well, when you think about him and his role, we talked about where he fit in at, but I wonder when he came to the White Sox, did they describe to him what his role would be on this team? And sometimes role clarity does help for us to set you up in D.C. for what, what you're coming to get into, what you get yourself involved with. I'm not so sure if they told him that, hey, look, we don't need you as our close. We already got one. Can you be a setup man, right? Can you can you adjust to that role? I don't know what they told him, but sometimes you do need that role clarity to help you out. I remember when the Bulls got, you know, Dennis Rodman, they told him, look, it's all we want you to do. <laughs> we want you to do nothing else outside of this. You can do that. We're good to go. Again, different sport, though, but still, role clarity is always important to have when you're on any team. Well, so from what I understand is that Larusa told, I guess, Kimbrell that he was going to be the setup guy and that Hendricks was going to be the go-to guy in the ninth inning. Okay. But I wonder, just and this is just what I'm wondering, is the new role just something that he can't wrap his head around? Because you know how athletes are. They are creatures of habit. They right. become, you know, very locked into a process. And the process of being a lockdown closer in the ninth inning is totally different than being the setup guy in the eighth inning. And what right. I'm seeing in him in this setup role is it's just not working. Like DC mentioned, that wild pitch, man, dude, I almost destroyed a remote watch. And I'm like, what is going on? Lance Lynn pitched a great ball game and he lose and we lose the game because of the pitcher throwing a wild pitch like that. I'm like, what the fuck? That's tough too. You know what? Lynn even took blame for his party. I mean, Lynn walked the wrong guy, Guerrero. You don't want to, you I mean, no. they walk him, but he gave up a hit on he the 3-0 pitch. You got two of your nice pitchers who actually screwed up in the game to where you guys can must up in the offense. So speaking really of this whole game there, I thought you all pitched well, even though y'all gave up two runs. I thought you all couldn't get nothing going with uh, with your um, hitting. I mean, if you give up two runs a game, Perez, to me, that's a positive right there, bro. Only two runs a game, you're looking for your offense, like the White Sox type of offense they have, to give them more than just one run. No, and that's a fair point. I mean, we are down T.A. right now. He missed three games in a row. And so he's that catalyst in the leadoff spot. And what I will say is I hope that he hurries back and gets back to that lineup because you're right. We need that spark plug. The bats were a little quiet, you know, for lack of better words. So we need to get some support for these pitchers as well. We got to put up more than a run. Point blank. No, no good point. Because right now y'all rolling around with the bands, man, with no engine. That band's going to stop. You can't get it started up, man, with no engine. So if you ain't got T.A. out there, man, Tim Anderson out there, you can see his impact that it really hurts you guys. He's the guy to keep you all going. He's the engine right there. So you miss that type of all-star player like that, we're starting to see the benefit of what he does for your team when he's not playing. So when he's not playing, he can't help you guys, and you guys look like this, look stagnant offensively. But when he's out there, you all look like a total different team. Well, okay, A-Dub, I, I kind of like that analogy, and I was going to let it go for a second, but then the petty part of me just couldn't let that analogy go. So I will say this, man. We're a biz that just needs like a little, we need a detail and a nice car wash. Ain't nothing wrong with the engine. <laughs> 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 hey, man, I'm just saying, man. Hey, look, here's a go, man. Somebody no. sold out a bad product those past no. couple of games, man. Uh-uh. I'm sorry. You need more than the wax, man. No. Listen. <laughs> You remember that truck that Fred Sanford and Lamont used to ride around? That's the Cubs right now. Don't be worried about our bins over here, all right? <laughs> we are rolling around there for sure, no doubt. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> it look like Lamont driving for sure, man. Hell yeah. I see Grady right now. For real. Right next to David Ross. <laughs> Shit, that is David Ross. <laughs> man, it's rough, man. It's rough, brother. Over there. It's rough, man. But no, all jokes aside, man, uh, the White Sox, what, nine and a half game lead in first. 
I hope that we keep it there because, you know, as we keep having these different series, I don't want these teams getting a little close to us now because, you know, close enough. Let's, let's back them off. Let's get our guys back from injury. Rodon, let's get him back. We got September on the horizon, so we'll have some call-ups coming up. Hopefully they bring up uh, Gavin Sheets. You know, that'll be a good guy, you know, to come up here. Maybe we get some reinforcements pitching-wise that, you know, kind of help the bullpen a little bit too. And also, too, I hope that they figure out a way to give Carlos Rodon an extra day of rest in between starts to kind of prolong him leading up to the playoffs. So there's just a lot of things at play right now, but I just don't want that lead to decrease anymore than where, than where, where it is right now. Look, Absolutely. I wasn't going to say anything, though, Prez. But your boy Tim Anderson is out because of what tired legs? Yes, tired the, legs. The hell? <laughs> I mean, you know that you know he's just trying to preserve the guy, man, to rest him up. You know what I'm saying? That's not really a major injury, but tired legs. Have you heard that, man? That's like low management, press. Y'all ain't gonna be low managing him right now, man. Let's keep it 100. Well, listen, at least we got somebody to worry about tired legs. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all got low management going on over there. It's all good. Y'all just got a tired organization. It's a difference. It's a huge difference, brother. It really is. <laughs> hey, Dub, that's, that's World Series management right there. We just trying to manage uh, <laughs> to get there. That's all. Man, that's y'all right. treat him like Kawhi Leonard. It's all good, man. I ain't going to trip. He deserves it. Listen, hey, Dub, and I say this with love, we have told you multiple times, you stay out of White Sox business, sir. <laughs> hey, somebody got to call y'all out, man. You know you see it, press. Listen, man, when T.A., Lil Uzi, when he's killing in the postseason, I'm going to hit you with some text. I'm like, see, he had to rest them legs, man. He had to be ready for the playoffs. That's all. I bet. I bet. Tim over there, man, chilling in the trap right now. Leave him alone, A-Dub. He's fine. He'll be good. He'll yeah, he's fine. Ain't nothing wrong with him. Of course he's fine. Tired legs. Really? I see, I see the T-shirt. When life is good, rest your legs. Oh, that was a bar. <laughs> That was a bar. <laughs> okay, DC. <laughs> when your team is trash, hate. <laughs> hey, look, it is what it is, man. Call it what it is, brother. Hey, hey, look, y'all know A-Dub over here. Hey, look, I ain't got no disrespect to the White Sox. I'm calling it what it is, man. Y'all know y'all got a little bias going on. I can respect it. I get it. I'm not mad at you guys. You all on top right now, so enjoy it, brothers. Listen, I know we the Chicago state of mind, and we got a huge Chicago bias. But my Southside bias is greater than my Chicago bias. That's that I know. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> Fair enough, my brother. <laughs> All right, y'all. Man, this has been a fun episode. Audience, final segment time. If this city could talk. And mine goes out to Mayor Lightfoot. So I want to give her some kudos. I know a lot of people don't have a lot of nice things to say about the mayor. But this week, she announced the selection of four mixed-use Southwest projects here in the city that are going to be putting up developments in areas of the city that badly need to be redeveloped. So South Chicago, North Lawndale, Bronzeville, just to name a few of those areas. And I think that that is really awesome because these are communities that need to be rebuilt, that didn't have a lot of resources. A lot of resources were stripped from these communities. So if this city could talk, it would give a big shout out to Mayor Lightfoot for putting some money into these underserved communities on the South and West sides because they need it. And maybe we'll start to see people take more pride in these communities when we start to invest in them and build them up. And well said that, my brother Press. If this city can talk, it would say we're getting tired of this milk crate stuff that's going on. 
I get his all funny games and jokes until somebody get hurt. People going to get put out of jobs, man, and can't work because they're dealing around with climbing up milk crates and all that kind of stuff, man. I know it's fun, though, but man, come on now, fellas. Come on now, ladies. You could possibly hurt yourself. Got to be careful. Cool to have fun, but find a different way. I'm tired of milk crate stuff. Milk crate stock going up right now because you guys chill out. Relax. Couldn't agree more. Those crates are stupid. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. I don't want to see anybody break their neck, so no. I'll put the crates down. If this city could talk, I know I mentioned pro wrestling at the start of this episode. And for me personally, a lot of people don't know, pro wrestling was the way me and my grandmother had a close bond. I said the other day, because it was one of the happiest moments of my life, right? Like, damn near out-of-body experience, just like Bulls game six versus Boston, Joe Keep Noah, Steel Dunk, went crazy, right? But my grandmother passed away, and I still hold on to that art form, that form of entertainment, just as a way to, to honor what we had. So just remember that everybody loves a good comeback story. And in the case of what I witnessed on Friday, it was a good comeback story. CM Punk, been away for seven years, had to go sit down, rest his legs for his mental health because the place that he worked was making him sick. If this city could talk, realize where you're at in life. If you do need to rest your legs, if you do need to sit down, if you do need to take a break, do it. Get yourself right. Because like I said, everybody loves a good comeback story. Coming out of a pandemic, everybody loves a good comeback story. Chicago, we are coming back. So just remember, get yourself right, take care of yourself, and then just soak in all the love when you do make your comeback. Yes, sir, man. I love that one, man. That wrestling, the wrestling story, and that it's okay to rest your legs. Man, you said a lot there, brother. I'm all for that, man. That was dope. That was dope. And and Very dope. dope. And A-Dub, I also agree with yours because I don't understand what those folks are doing with that stuff. They need to cool out. It's cool out. Listeners, as always, appreciate your continued support of the show. Downloads have been going crazy lately. Keep them coming. We're going to keep these hot takes coming. We appreciate the support. Don't forget to join us on Crave It. And we are out. DC, going to sign us off, bruh. Thanks for listening to the Chicago State of Mind. You can find this show wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow or subscribe to our podcast on your platform of choice. We appreciate your support of our show. If this city could talk, it would say Michael Jordan is and always will be the greatest of all time. The GOAT. You asked all my teammates. The one thing about Michael Jordan was he never asked me to do something that he didn't fucking do. I'm only doing it because it is who I am. That's how I played the game. That was my mentality. If you don't want to play that way, don't play that way.